Chapter Nineteen, Part One of the Betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Betrothed by Alexandro Manzoni, Chapter Nineteen part one if a weed be discovered in a badly cultivated field a fine root of sorrel for example and the spectator wish to ascertain with certainty whether it has sprung up from seed either ripened in the field itself or wafted thither by the wind or dropped there by a bird in its flight let him think as he will about it he will never come to a satisfactory conclusion for the same reason we are unable to decide whether the resolution formed by the count of making use of the father provincial to cut in two as the best and easiest method this intricate knot arose from his own unassisted imagination or from the suggestions of attilio certain it is that attilio had not thrown out the hint unintentionally and however naturally he might expect that the jealous haughtiness of his noble relative would recoil at so open an insinuation he was determined at any rate to make the idea of such a resource flash before his eyes and let him know the course which he desired he should pursue on the other hand the plan was so exactly consonant with his uncle's disposition and so naturally marked out by circumstances that one might safely venture the assertion that he had thought of and embraced it without the suggestion of any one it was a most essential point towards the reputation of power which he had so much at heart that one of his name a nephew of his should not be worsted in a dispute of such notoriety the satisfaction that his nephew would take for himself would have been a remedy worse than the disease a foundation for future troubles which it was necessary to overthrow at any cost and without loss of time command him at once to quit his palace and he would not obey and even should he submit it would be surrendering of the contest a submission of their house to the superiority of a convent commands legal force or any terrors of that nature were of no value against an adversary of such a character as father cristoforo the regular and secular clergy were entirely exempt not only in their persons but in their places of abode from all lay jurisdiction as must have been observed even by one who has read no other story than the one before him otherwise they would often have fared very badly all that could be attempted against such a rival was his removal and the only means for obtaining this was the father provincial at whose pleasure father cristoforo was either stationary or on the move between this father provincial and the count of the privy council there existed an acquaintanceship of long standing they seldom saw each other but whenever they met it was with great demonstrations of friendship and reiterated offers of service 
It is sometimes easier to transact business advantageously with a person who presides over many individuals than with only one of those same individuals who sees but his own motives, feels but his own passions, seeks only his own ends, while the former instantly perceives a hundred relations, contingencies, and interests, a hundred objects to secure or avoid, and can therefore be taken on a hundred different sides when all had been arranged in his mind the count one day invited the father provincial to dinner to meet a circle of guests selected with superlative judgment an assemblage of men of the highest rank whose family alone bore a lofty title and who by their carriage by a certain native boldness by a lordly air of disdain and by taking of great things in familiar terms succeeded even without intending it in impressing and on every occasion keeping up the idea of their superiority and power together with a few clients bound to the house by a hereditary devotion and to its head by the servitude of a whole life who beginning with the soup to say yes with their lips their eyes their ears their head their whole body and their whole heart had made a man by dessert time almost forget how to say no at table the noble host quickly turned the conversation upon madrid there are many ways and means of accomplishing one's object and he tried all he spoke of the court the count duke the ministers and the governor's family of the bull baits which he could accurately describe having been a spectator from a very advantageous post and of the escurial of which he could give a minute account because of the count duke's pages had conducted him through every nook and corner of it for some time the company continued like an audience attentive to him alone but by degrees they divided into small groups of talkers and he then proceeded to relate further anecdotes of the great things he had seen as in confidence to the father provincial who was seated near him and who suffered him to talk on without interruption but at a certain point he gave a turn to the conversation and leaving madrid proceeded from court to court and from dignitary to dignitary till he had brought upon the tapas cardinal barberini a capuchin and brother to the then reigning pope urban the eighth the count was at last obliged to cease talking for a while and to be content to listen and remember that after all there were some people in the world who were not born to live and act only for him shortly after leaving the table he requested the father provincial to step with him into another apartment two men of authority age and consummate experience now found themselves standing opposite to each other the noble lord requested the reverend father to take a seat and placing himself at his side began as follows considering the friendship that exists between us i thought i might venture to speak a word to your reverence on a matter of mutual interest which it would be better to settle between ourselves without taking any other courses which might but without further preface i will candidly tell you to what i allude 
and I doubt not you will immediately agree with me. Tell me, in your convent of Pescaranico, there is a certain father, Cristoforo of... The provincial bowed assent. Your paternity will be good enough, then, frankly like a friend, to tell me, this person, this father, I don't know him personally, I am acquainted with several Capuchin fathers, zealous, prudent, humble men, who are worth their weight in gold. I have been a friend to the order from my boyhood. But in every rather numerous family there is always some individual, some wild, and this father Cristoforo, I know by several occurrences that he is a person, rather inclined to disputes, who has not all the prudence, all the circumspection, I dare say he has more than once given your paternity some anxiety. I understand this is a specimen, thought the provincial in the meantime. It is my fault. I know that blessed Cristoforo was fitter to go about from pulpit to pulpit than to be set down for six months in one place, especially in a country convent. Oh, said he aloud, I am really very sorry to hear that your highness entertains such an opinion of Father Cristoforo, for as far as I know he is a most exemplary monk in the convent, and is held in much esteem also in the neighborhood. I understand perfectly, your reverence ought. However, as a sincere friend, I wish to inform you of a thing which is important for you to know, and even if you are already acquainted with it, I think, without exceeding my duty, I should caution you against the, the, I only say, possible consequences. Do you know that this father, Cristoforo, has taken under his protection a man of that country, a man of whom your paternity has doubtless heard mention, him who escaped in such disgrace from the hands of justice, after having done things on that terrible day of St. Martin's, things lorenzo tramaglino alas thought the provincial as he replied this particular is quite new to me but your highness is sufficiently aware that it is part of our office to seek those who have gone astray to recall them yes yes but intercourse with offenders of a certain kind is rather a dangerous thing a very delicate affair and here, instead of puffing out his cheeks and panting, he compressed his lips, and drew in as much air as he was accustomed to send forth with such profound importance. He then resumed, I thought it as well to give you this hint, because if ever his excellency, he may have had some business at Rome, I don't know, though, and there might come to you from Rome. I am much obliged to your lordship for this information, but I feel confident that if they would make inquiries on this subject, they would find that Father Cristoforo has had no intercourse with the person you mention, unless it be to try and set him right again. I know Father Cristoforo well. You know probably already better than I do what kind of a man he was as a layman, and the life he led in his youth. It is one of the glories of our habit, Signor Count, that a man who has given ever so much occasion in the world for men to talk about him 
becomes a different person when he has assumed this dress and ever since father cristoforo has worn the habit i would gladly believe it i assure you i would gladly believe it but sometimes as the proverb says it is not the cowl that makes the friar the proverb was not exactly to the purpose but the count had cited it instead of another which had crossed his mind the wolf changes its skin but not its nature i have facts continued he i have positive proofs if you can know for certain interrupted the provincial that this friar has been guilty of any fault and we are all liable to err you will do me a favor to inform me of it i am his superior though unworthily but it is therefore my duty to correct and reprove i will tell you together with the unpleasing circumstances of the favor this father displays towards the person i have mentioned there is another grievous thing which may but we will settle all this between ourselves at once this same father cristoforo has begun a quarrel with my nephew don rodrigo indeed i am very sorry to hear it very sorry indeed my nephew is young and hot-tempered he feels what he is and is not accustomed to be provoked it shall be my business to make every inquiry on the subject as i have often told your lordship and as you must know with your great experience in the world and your noble judgment far better than i we are all human and liable to err some one way some another and if our father cristoforo has failed your reverence must perceive that these are matters as i said which had better be settled between ourselves and remain buried with us things which if much meddled with will only be made worse you know how it often happens these strifes and disputes frequently originate from a mere bagatelle and become more and more serious as they are suffered to proceed it is better to strike at the root before they grow to a head or becomes the cause of a hundred other contentions suppress it and cut it short most reverend father suppress and cut it short my nephew is young the monk from what i hear has still all the spirit all the inclinations of a young man and it belongs to us who have some years on our shoulders too many are there not most reverend father it belongs to us i say to have judgment for the young and try to remedy their errors fortunately we are still in good time the matter has made no stir it is still a case of a good principius obsta let us remove the straw from the flame a man who has not done well or who may be a, a cause of some trouble in one place sometimes gets on surprisingly in another your paternity doubtless knows where to find a convenient post for this friar this will also meet the other circumstance of his having perhaps fallen under the suspicion of one who would be very glad that he should be removed and thus by placing him at a little distance we shall kill two birds with one stone all will be quietly settled or rather there will be no harm done the father provincial had expected this conclusion from the beginning of the interview ay ay thought he to himself 
I see well enough what you would bring me to. It is the usual way. If a poor friar has an encounter with you, or with any one of you, or gives you any offense, right or wrong, the superior must make him march immediately. When the Count was at last silent and had puffed forth a long-drawn breath, which was equivalent to a full stop, I understand very well, said the provincial, what your noble lordship would say, but before taking a step, it is a step, and it is not a step, most reverend father, it is a natural thing enough, a very common occurrence, and if it does not come to this, and quickly too, I foresee a mountain of disorders, an iliad of woes, a mistake, my nephew, I do not believe, I am here for this but at the point at which matters have now arrived, if we do not put a stop to it between ourselves, without loss of time, by one decided blow it is not possible that it should remain a secret, and then, it is not only my nephew, we raise a hornet's nest, most reverend father. You know, we are a powerful family. We have adherents, plainly enough. You understand me. They are all persons who have some blood in their veins and who count as somebody in the world. Their honor will come in, it will become a common affair, and then even one who is a friend to peace, it will be a great grief to me to be obliged, to find myself I, who have always had so much kind feeling toward the Capuchin fathers, you reverend fathers, to continue to do good as you have hitherto done with so much edification among the people, stand in need of peace, should be free from strifes and in harmony with those who, and besides you have friends in the world, and these affairs of honor, if they go any length, extend themselves, branch out on every side, and draw in half the world. I am in a situation which obliges me to maintain a certain dignity. His Excellency, my noble colleagues, it becomes quite a party matter, particularly with that other circumstance. You know how these things go. Certainly, said Father Provincial. Father Cristoforo is a preacher, and I have already some thoughts. I have just been asked. But at this juncture and under the present circumstances, it might look like a punishment, and a punishment before having fully ascertained pshaw punishment pshaw merely a prudential arrangement a convenient resource for preventing evils which might ensue i have explained myself between the signor count and me things stand in this light i am aware but as your lordship has related the circumstances it is impossible i should say but that something is known in the country around there are everywhere firebrands, mischief-makers, or at least malicious priors, who take a mad delight in seeing the nobility and the religious orders at variance. They observe it immediately, report it, and enlarge upon it. Everybody has his dignity to maintain, and I also, as superior, though unworthily, have an express duty, the honor of the habit, it is not my private concern. It is a deposit of which, 
your noble nephew since he is so high-spirited as your lordship describes him might take it as a satisfaction offered to him and i do not say boast of it and triumph over him but is your paternity joking with me my nephew is a gentleman of some consideration in the world that is according to his rank and the claims he has but in my presence he is a mere boy and will do neither more nor less than i bid him i will go further and tell you that my nephew shall know nothing about it why need we give any account of what we do it is all transacted between ourselves as old friends and never need come to light don't give yourself a thought about this i ought to be accustomed to be silent and he heaved a deep sigh as to gossips resumed he what do you suppose they can say the departure of a monk to preach somewhere else is nothing so very uncommon and then we who see we who foresee we who ought we need not give ourselves any concern about gossipings at any rate it would be well to try and prevent them on this occasion by your noble nephew's making some demonstration giving some open proof of friendship and deference not for our sakes as individuals but for the sake of the habit certainly certainly this is but fair however there is no need of it i know that the capuchins are always received as they ought to be by my nephew he does so from inclination it is quite the disposition of the family and besides he knows it is gratifying to me in this instance however something more marked it is only right leave me to settle it most reverend father i will order my nephew that is i must cautiously suggest it to him lest he should suspect what has passed between us it would not do you know to lay a plaster where there is no wound and as to what we have determined upon the quicker the better if you can find some post at a little distance to obviate every occasion i have just been asked for a preacher at remini and perhaps even without any other reason i should have thought of exactly apropos exactly apropos and when since the thing must be done it had better be done at once directly directly most reverend father better to-day than to-morrow and continued he as he rose from his seat if i can do anything i or my friends for our worthy capuchin fathers we know by experience the kindness of your house said the father provincial also rising and advancing towards the door behind his vanquisher we have extinguished a spark said the count walking slowly forward a spark most reverend father which might have been fanned into a wide-spreading and dangerous flame between friends two or three words will often settle great things on reaching the other apartment he threw open the door and insisted upon the father's first entering then following him in they mingled with the rest of the company this nobleman employed a studied politeness great dexterity and fine words to accomplish his designs and they produced corresponding effects 
in fact he succeeded by the conversation we have related in making father cristoforo go on foot from piscarinico to remini which is a very tolerable distance End of chapter 19, part 1